Welcome to Season 3, Episode 30 of Lucas Baseball Podcast, brought to you by DrRoto.com, your home for everything fantasy sports. We have an early bird sign-up special going on right now. You can use promo code RADIO, that's promo code RADIO, for a nice discount on all our premium packages for MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, eSports, PGA, NASCAR, and sports betting. I'm Lou Landers, joined here by my co-host Lucas Beery. Today's episode, we're taking a look at some buy-low players in fantasy baseball for your dynasty and keeper leagues heading into next year. But before we do that, Lucas, I want you to take a moment, let everyone know where they can find you, of course, on social media, and tell them about the work you're currently doing over at drroto.com. Absolutely. Yeah, feel free to find me on Twitter at lucasbeery 33 or you could just simply type in my name i'm sure you'll find it you know it is 2021 uh and you can definitely feel free to hit up some of my mlb work uh over at drroto.com i'm doing a dfs article on tuesday thursday and saturday as well as a cheat sheet over there so we'll uh we'll have our discord popping off fairly soon as well for mlb dfs and uh looking forward to it yeah, and you've won some pretty good money over the past couple weeks as well. So people should be trying to follow those picks, that's for sure. But to these buy low players, Fran Mill Reyes, outfielder, Cleveland Indians. What do you got for me, Lucas? Yeah, you said buy low dynasty, and this ain't a buy low. So I just want to want to put that out there. Quite a handful of these are, some of them aren't, but I just think it's a buying opportunity is the way that I'm personally looking at it. And with Fran Mill Reyes, uh, he's been unbelievably good this year when he came back from the injury and even before he was very solid. Uh, His power is absolutely tremendous. Yes, he does strike out a lot, which could scare some people off striking out almost 33% of the time this year. But I do personally feel like his power is up there with the best of the best, including guys like uh, Pete Alonzo and Matt Olson. And I think that you can possibly get him a little bit cheaper than that for two reasons. One, uh, he is likely to have that uh, util only in leagues that require 20 games minimum. And also people are going to be scared off of the fact that he plays for Cleveland and they're going to think their lineup's terrible. But I personally wouldn't have those fears. And that's kind of where I'm at with Reyes. I think he is a stud that you can get at a touch of a discount. I think the best point you've made is the utility um, spot, meaning that most of the, the formats that are out there, Reyes is in utility only because he doesn't have the outfield eligibility. So if you are in a league that might have more than one utility spot, it would be a very good opportunity to try and buy. But a premier power bat for sure. I mean, strikeouts are fine if you hit as many home runs and drive in as many runs as he does. I would look and see who owns him in your leagues because if they're stuck with him in the utility spot and they're deep in other positions and have other options for that utility spot, you might be able to grab him and you can use that as a selling point that he doesn't have outfield eligibility and he's not a good enough defender to possibly get it anytime soon. No, they're going to have to stretch his capabilities. He's stood out in the outfield five times this year in right field, but I don't think that they want to really do that, especially, um, you know, they they got to protect this guy and keep him healthy because he is like their most premium hitter outside of Ramirez. So, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. 
I mean, I only own him in Yahoo leagues because in Yahoo, he has outfield eligibility. Um, and I think he's so valuable in that situation. But as just a utility hitter, he does lose some value for sure. Another outfielder here or a guy that can play the outfield, Harrison Bader. Yeah, Harrison Bader is a player that I think people are going to be skittish of. He's His career K rate is perched at about 27%, but this year he's striking out only 18%, and he's still providing solid power and some steals. And one nugget that I read on Bader uh, was that he actually had polyps surgically removed this offseason that allows him actually to see the ball better. While he was hitting, his vision was getting blurred as he was tearing up from time to time, but he went ahead and he got this surgery done in the offseason, which is uh, quite interesting. Uh, And the numbers are showing he's a much different hitter. So that's kind of one reason that I like Bader. In addition to the facts, like the other guys, he's still pretty young. 27 is very reasonable for a rebuilder to pick this guy up if they see the same things as us and they like him. But smaller strikeout rate, extremely roto-friendly talent with the power and and plenty of speed, and also guaranteed everyday playing time, just like a guy like Cabrian Hayes or Matt Chapman. Bader is going to be penciled into the lineup card for St. Louis for years to come. I definitely like the point you made about Roto Leagues specifically because you can plug him in for those stolen bases and just leave him there. Even if he doesn't end up hitting for the power you're hoping, the stolen bases will definitely be something that you'll want to take advantage of. And I think he can still be had pretty cheaply. In a dynasty league specifically, you could probably throw a third or fourth round rookie pick at his owner and that might get the job done. I would be comfortable even doing a. I tried a second rounder in some leagues and came up short. And, uh, you know, I may have to I may have to add more onto that. I, I saw one uh, set of dynasty ranks that had him inside the top 200. And that might feel weird for some people because he has, like I said, he struck out a ton over his career. But if he is a if he is a kind of a different hitter, it's it's been 50 games this year, 195 plate appearances. So it's not exactly like things are stabilized. But I do think that he's certainly. Uh, a more improved hitter and it's it's interesting seeing that he did have that surgical procedure to allow his vision to to be a little bit more improved i know that's absolutely paramount for hitters it certainly is and it's not like he's the type of guy you look at and think oh he's going to hit for power but power does come as guys develop more muscle mass and uh, get older and kind of hit that 26 through 29 age range in major league baseball uh, which is why bader might tap into some more power than we've certainly seen thus far. Talk to me about Casey Amai, starting pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, again, another guy similar to Bader as well. Not exactly performing terrible this year, but his innings are going to be limited, and they have been. He's not necessarily gone as deep as he was previously. Now his last two outings, he went five and seven innings, but... Uh, Detroit did announce they are going to kind of limit his innings a little bit to maybe four, maybe five innings per start, and that's going to limit his value. But you can take advantage of that if you're not a win-now team and go ahead and pick up the former 1.1 overall draft pick coming out of Auburn. I know you're a huge fan of Mize. His his strikeout rates are not necessarily there, but this is mostly betting on his pitchability, uh, that pedigree, and 
I just think that he's going to be a very solid pitcher. Is he high upside? I don't think so, but I think he'll be a nice player to have on your pitching staffs uh, for, for years to come. Well, yeah, he's young. He certainly, as you mentioned, went first overall in the draft. That certainly gives you a certain amount of pedigree for sure. And we definitely have not seen the best from him yet. He's not even hit the 200 innings mark in his career, I don't believe. So um, I like to give guys like this 700 to 800 innings before I really start to expect the best from them. Uh, This is a guy that I would certainly be trying to get now before he turns into maybe not an ace for fantasy baseball perspectives because you mentioned those strikeouts, but a real-life possible ace at the top of this Tigers rotation who will provide lots of value in fantasy uh, despite not being that fantasy ace, still could be your SP2 or SP3, especially in those deeper leagues. And again, in the dynasty formats, you get him now, the best is yet to come. Absolutely. I think he's I think he's not as gettable as Bader just because Bader we've seen a lot lower lows, so to speak, with a bad batting average from Bader. But with Mize, um, if you took him if you took him really high in the first year player draft, I mean, what he's done so far has not really knocked your socks off. So I think an owner could could allow him to go if they felt like they were getting a nice trade for Mize. If they're getting something that can help them a lot more right now. It's yeah. a perfect it's a perfect fit for sure. Brandon Rogers, second baseman shortstop for the Colorado Rockies, finally getting a chance to play every day. Yes, he is, and we love to see that. We had kind of highlighted Rogers a bit in the preseason as well as I believe we we highlighted him with Taylor Walls earlier this year, and I still believe in this talent despite the fact that he doesn't walk a ton. He strikes out a little bit. I mean, he's going to be probably in the low 20 strikeout percentage, but I do think Colorado is going to give him the keys to playing time, the keys to the car for playing time. And this year he's showing why we liked him. He's got a 286 batting average, 345 on base and almost a 500 slug. Is he going to rack up steals? That's kind of the concern there is that he's not necessarily going to be a steals guy, but I do think he has the athleticism to go for it. And he actually came out and said he wanted to steal some bags this year injury issues have kind of limited him but it's a prospect fatigue thing as well with Rogers he's almost 25 people feel like they've hardly gotten anything out of him maybe they think okay I can sell him now that I'm getting good value but I do think that he can be a very nice uh, stabilizer on your team he's not going to anchor your foundation but I think if you add him to your rebuild I think you could like it for the next five six years playing in cores absolutely man and i think he's on a 12 or 13 game hitting streak right now he's really come alive with the everyday at bat something he's really never gotten a chance to do at the big league level uh the past 10 games lucas three homers seven rbis 10 runs he's batting 372 413 on base percentage he's hit both in cores and he actually has seven of his nine home runs this season away from cores which is even better if you're looking for a guy that um, is not going to only hit in Coors like so many of the other Rockies players we've seen over the years. I think this is a really good buying opportunity and a guy that's certainly post-hype. Absolutely. I think you kind of, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Lou, but I think you kind of hit up on a point. I know a lot of players that I play with in dynasty leagues, very sharp guys. All of them are really good. It makes our leagues tough, but fun. They hate selling low. 
Like, for example, they would not sell Eugenio Suarez low unless they really thought he was damaged goods, which they probably don't. Rodgers, on the other hand, they probably think, okay, I can finally get out from under this. I don't have to worry about course playing time because that's always frustrated people. But I just think that I think they'll give him a shot to play every day. I really do. Well, look at his power pace. 58 games played, nine homers. I mean, that's a 25 homer or so pace. I just did that math in my head. I might be off by one home run, give or take. But, I mean, 25 homers from your middle infielder is pretty damn good with a, for a guy that has the potential to hit 280-plus. Yeah, he's tacked on nine doubles and two triples as well. So once he matures further, he's only 24. So once he gets a little bit further into his career, his power will continue to develop more. And it's a great point, Lou. I'm with you. How about Michael Kopech? This is probably the favorite guy I have on our list today, Lucas, because he's basically been a reliever all season long with the exception of a spot start or two. Certainly has limited his value, but he came up as a starter. He should be one as early as next season, if you ask me, and he certainly has the stuff to become a top-of-the-line starter. I would go get him now because once he becomes a starter and has a good April, let's say, next year, he's going to become almost untouchable. I really think so. I think his upside is through the freaking roof. I've had that belief for a long time. Man, it's uh, it's been a while since he was drafted, but he's finally here, and he's showing exactly what we want. I know you're going to kind of knock his numbers a little bit since going from a reliever to a starter, his pace is going to drop significantly, but everything that you've seen here is is awesome as far as his stuff and his numbers. And the question is, is will they make him a starter? I think they will, but it is still a question. So that's the only concern. All righty. My next guy here is Josh Naylor. I wanted to go ahead and throw a few high-end names in here. Guys like Fran Mill to go pick him up at a small discount. And then a few pitchers and others. And Naylor is one that I think is going to be easily the cheapest of this list. Josh Naylor from Cleveland. He had a brutal lower leg injury where he had an ankle that I think became uh, dislocated. And he's going to be out for the year. People aren't even really paying attention to him on their rosters. And if you can provide them a small upgrade, I do think you could get Naylor. Now, why would you want to get Naylor? He hasn't done a whole lot. I see some upside here. He's a high-contact guy that had a lot of pedigree coming up through the San Diego system, and I think he has a clear runway for playing time. Just based on some of his prospect grades, I mean, they gave him a 70-70 raw power, and as far as a game power, they gave him a 45 and 60. So he's obviously not shown any power, and if he's not going to hit for power and not hit for any batting average, people are going to be turned off. However, I do think that based on the fact he makes so much contact and he's been an advanced hitter coming up through the minors, I do think that there is some serious potential for Naylor. I told Lou, or I was Lou, we were talking yesterday, I think that he could do 260 to 270 batting average with 20 to 25 homers. I know that's not going to make anybody say wow, but if you can go ahead and pick this young former prospect up for a song, I think that's a, a good opportunity there since he will be quite cheap, I would imagine. Yeah, and I mean, having that first base and outfield eligibility that I've seen in most places certainly helps as well. As a first baseman, it might not do as much for you as you would like, but as a fourth or fifth outfielder, um, yeah. if he could hit to 
close to what you were kind of suggesting just now, I would be very happy with that as a fourth or fifth outfielder. In fact, he'd be one of the better fourth or fifth outfielders around. I think so. And it's not like he has to overcome big strikeout issues to tap into that power that he hasn't shown. He's His career big league strikeout rate is 19%, and he's walked about 7% of the time too. So he's shown he, he has a, a solid game plan, a solid approach, former former solid prospect. I think he was top 50, I believe, uh, with the Padres and then just didn't have a chance to play. Cleveland's going to have runway for him to get going if he can do well in his rehab and lay claim to a starting spot in the outfield next year for Cleveland. Yeah, well, let's move over to our last player before we get into some strategies. Zach Gallon, starting pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Lucas, his season has been pretty big letdown. And current owner has a right to be fed up. But I think I'd be buying him everywhere. He's definitely had a nice track record prior to 2021, albeit only a season and a half or so. But he could easily turn things around again in 2022 and beyond. Still young, has shown that he can be an SP, low-end SP1 in fantasy, certainly an SP2. And I'm not ready to give up on a guy with the talent that he has and the pitch mix he has, strikeouts, command. He really has everything going for him. I don't have any real good reason as to why it hasn't gone right this year, but sometimes that just happens. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you here. I, I have him in a key league, and he has been a big letdown for me. I think the injuries are the only concern there. He did have a bit of an elbow sprain, which caused him to slip on draft boards in March, and people are scared about that. I, I know they will be. I would imagine they will be, rather. I don't know. But uh, like you said, he's got everything that you want from a statistical perspective. It's just, are you willing to uh, roll the dice in hopes that he's healthy? Because he is not going to come nearly as cheap as a lot of the other guys we mentioned, but he also, like you said, could touch that low-end SP1 upside. So. A very intriguing pickup. Uh, you're going to have to pay something that uh, is going to going to going to cost. I mean, it's going to pinch you if you go out and you pick up Zach Gallon because his owner knows how good he is too. But perhaps, like you've said, uh, with Mize, they just need something a little bit more established at the moment, more innings, more innings per start, something like that. So yeah, another good call out with Gallon. Yeah. Well, also, it's not just even about the injuries or about the innings limit he might be on whatever it might be it's more so that it's very very easy for owners to give up on players when they kind of do them dirty or do them wrong uh same way that if you've been burned by someone in the past you typically don't draft them again and i'm not saying that's a good strategy by any means i don't think it is but you see it time and time again owners can be so fickle and if they either invested a lot in Gallon at one point or were relying on him for this season and he's let them down, you might get him at 70 cents on the dollar. I certainly agree. Yeah, people are, I mean, we're emotional people. It's like I said, it's tough to, uh, tough to let it go like this go, but uh, tough to let a guy like this go. But I certainly think he could be had. His numbers are really not that out of bounds. I mean, his XERA is a 3.8, which was a 3.6 and a 3.75 last year. He's given up more home runs, uh, and he's also issued a handful of too many free passes, but he's only pitched 62 innings, so it's not really like it's a a big sample size or anything. And 
uh, if you're on the cusp of winning and uh, you feel you feel like he can stay healthy, I think Gallon is a perfect guy to add on if you're looking forward to next year and want to grab a young front of the rotation starter. Let me ask you a hypothetical question here. You have Lance Lynn on your team, but you're a few years away from competing. Do you offer Lynn for Gallon? I mean, that, I would, that'll get it done. I think it would get it done. Now, so let's say if I, let's say the next year I could win or at least could have a great chance to cash. I'm going to be more likely to do that. But if I'm in a, maybe a one or if I'm in a two to three year rebuild, I probably would eschew investing in, in starters at that high of a level and probably just look for maybe a couple of top 20 to top 30 prospects for Lynn is what I would probably do. Yes, of course. It all depends on where the owner who has Gallon is at in the standings yeah. and what they're doing. I'm looking at it as a team that's trying to win now and next year uh, where you Absolutely. can certainly get Gallon off them for a established player that's very good right now but is not on the um, the younger side, so to speak. Before wrapping things up, though, it's always good to talk some strategies, think some strategies out, uh, whether it be just redraft, keeper, dynasty, whatever it might be. At this point in the year where you might be out of it in some leagues, you might be trying to hold on in other leagues, you might be trying to make a late push. Is there anything you like to do to help prepare yourself for next year right now, not wait till November, December when people really start to ramp up, at least the serious players start to ramp up their, I guess, their research and rankings and so on. Yeah, it's really a good question there, Lou. <clears throat> I don't think this is talked about enough, but it's going to really depend on the winning cycle of my team. Um, I'm going to try to go ahead and bolster my bench with more depth before the trading deadline if I'm in a win-now position. For example, I did just lose Ramon Laureano due to an 80-game PED suspension, and I'm going to be listening in to see if I can upgrade that. I don't feel desperation to do so because... If the offers aren't there, you can't force it with a borderline top 100 guy like Loriano. But in a win now, you're going to want to bolster your team. And you may have to give up some solid prospects, if not quite good ones, to do so. Winning comes at a cost, especially in a competitive league. Now, on the flip side, if I'm in a, if I'm in a rebuild, I went ahead and I picked up a handful of guys that I think could get saves. Spencer Patton, uh, Tyler Clippard was able to get Kyle Finnegan. That way... I can have them to flip at the deadline if the offer's right or in the winter before the dust is settled. If they're still theoretically the closer on, on closer grids for fantasy baseball, that's a trade ship right there. Uh, their value can, can really go up for you and you can get something that's a, a hitting prospect where they'll have more tangible value than their value being based on the whim of a manager. Uh, so typically look for uh, relievers on the, on the market or, possibly guys that could step into playing time. For example, David Bodie is a great example for the Cubs. So it just kind of depends on my win cycle, but those are a few examples. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's one there's one strategy that I like to employ. Oh, there's a dog here. Redraft League specifically is looking at the minor league players and uh, seeing who's kind of doing well at the higher levels of the minors who could crack rosters next year. Absolutely. I think one guy, he's not a very sexy name by any means, but I do think Seth Beer could get an opportunity for Arizona. 
they don't have a whole lot in his way, and he's been pretty good at AAA, 896 ops uh, there at AAA. Another one, kind of like you mentioned, um, who's been a little bit yesterday's news is a Carter Keyboom. Perhaps the owner of Carter Keyboom finally feels, okay, I can get rid of this guy and I can get good value. Well, if you think that he's better than the other owner, perhaps you could be getting a perceived deal. So that's a fair point looking ahead for 2022 playing time, guys, for teams that aren't going to be competitive like the Nationals or the Diamondbacks to go ahead and clog the playing time pathways for those uh, guys, Beer and Keyboom. Uh, that's a very good point, too. And, I mean, I think the real, the intense fancy baseball players are playing 12 months a year, 365 days Absolutely. a year. You're not, you're, you're not, don't check out during football season. You still play football and you could be serious with both. But the real serious fancy players don't check out. And if you are someone who wants to be more serious, that's a big key is not checking out. Be sure to always be on the lookout for the next big thing, um, the guys that are going to be coming up, Be pay attention to the winter meetings, who gets traded, how that could affect their values. All these things make a difference. If you wait till January, February to start prepping for baseball, you're already behind the curve. I agree. And this may sound a little silly, but I think just in your trade negotiations on the trading block, as well as in your active group chats, paying attention to as many messages as you can. I know sometimes they can come in over flooding, but at least once a year in some of my leagues, I will get a really nice trade offer because somebody posts something that they're looking for something specific. I just send it and it gets accepted. Um, I've had that happen every year in one of my leagues. And I call that not being asleep at the wheel, just reading everything, seeing if you have a fit. Another thing too is make some trade offers. You don't, I, I personally am not the kind of guy that goes, what do you want for this guy? Because they just don't really have that much direction to go off of. They're picking a needle out of a haystack because they don't want to over ask and they want to make sure they get good value. But if you send a competitive offer, you're going to force that person to think and make a decision. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. No, that makes a lot of sense, Lucas. Good stuff today. Folks, Lucas Baseball Podcast brought to you by DrRoto.com. Find premium access to our staff in our members-only Discord area content for MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, eSports, DFS, Fantasy Sports, Sports Betting, featuring the most elite tools and staff in the industry. So check out DrRoto.com. You can get an early bird special promo code radio. That's promo code radio. I'm Lou Landers with Lucas Beery. Thanks for tuning in. And folks, we'll catch you next week.